So, <clears throat> any of you ever use that phrase, I just don't get it? Um, maybe regarding your kids or your spouse or your job or who knows what. I, I suspect I may not be the only one, um, but as I progress chronologically, that sounds much better than getting older, uh, but as I progress chronologically, um, I'm a little bit disappointed in that it's not at all what I expected. I I thought when I was much younger that as I journeyed through life, stuff would begin to make sense. But now I find myself saying, I just don't get it more often and not less often. But today I want to talk about some things that we we can get. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul returns to a prayer that he started in chapter 1. And those of you that were here a couple of weeks ago when I started talking about chapter 1, I said that chapter 1 in Ephesians is one of those places where I look when I need a little spiritual comfort food. Uh, you know, it's like the Oreos in the pantry uh, when I'm looking for comfort. Um, in chapter 3, Paul uses terminology, and he touches on several things that he calls mysteries that I personally find it helpful to have him address because it speaks to some of the things that sometimes I just don't get, and it calls me to realize I can understand these things. Through his words, we're reminded of the awesomeness of God and how amazing it is that he desires a relationship with each one of us. And I want to start by just reviewing a definition. A mystery, some of what the dictionary says or Google says, a mystery is a private secret. It is something not understood. I just don't get it. It is profound, inexplicable, and then a religious truth that can only be known by revelation and cannot be fully understood. A religious truth that can only be known by revelation and cannot be fully understood. Friends, God's word was written to reveal to us things that sometimes we just don't get. And we can embrace those truths even though we may not fully understand those truths because God said it and his word is true and we can claim that. There are three things that I want to touch on today. And first is the mystery of God's plan. The mysteries is, is what I'm talking about. The mystery of God's plan. And we're just going to walk through Ephesians, the first 13 verses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known by to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In relating and reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, verse 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs 
together with Israel. And I'm just going to stop there and the whole Gentiles, Israel, and I'm not going to unpack that a lot, but just to understand that what Paul is saying is the God of all creation is reaching out to all people. That's the mystery of his plan, is that in his divine providence and love, all people can choose to enter in to a personal, life-changing love relationship with God. And Paul's saying this may not make sense to you because, again, he's talking about Gentiles, and, and Gentiles had been taught by the Jewish people that they were second class as being generous. They were kind of like the same as dogs to the Jews. And the the Gentiles have been told that they were excluded from all that God had for the Jews. And Paul is stepping in and saying, that's not so. You have been chosen just like the Jews tell you they have been chosen. And that's part of the mystery of God's plan for them And friends, as we talk, it's also part of God's plan for us. You and I, and those we interact with on a daily basis, have been chosen. Doesn't make sense. I mean, you guys are all great people, all right? I mean, you really are, but you're not all that. I mean, there's nothing about any of you that would just make God choose you on your own merit because you're so awesome, all right? Let's be honest. But you're awesome because he does choose you, and he chooses you because he loves you, and he desires to be in relationship with you. So that's a part of the mystery is it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense at all to me why God would want a relationship with me. But the word tells me that he does, and that's the mystery. makes no sense, but by divine revelation... According to God's word, we're told that's his plan. And he, throughout history, to this very moment, is working to carry out that plan and help us embrace that mystery and understand. I don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense that God wants a relationship with me. I can just believe that he does and lean into that. And then Paul continues, verses 7 and 8. Let me, let me back up and get some, get a run and start. This mystery is that through the gospel, God's message of his desire to be in relationship, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body and shares together in the promise, in, in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now, again, the mystery of God's plan in this particular situation is that God is choosing Paul to take this message to the Gentiles. Paul, if you were to pick somebody who would be the ideal person to go to the Gentiles, Paul would have been at the end of your list. I see Dan sitting here. Uh, Y'all see how Dan's dressed? All right. Go Spartans. All right. Now, Paul going to the Gentiles would be the equivalent of saying, God's saying to Dan, Dan, you're my chosen message to take the gospel to the Wolverines. You know, I mean, that's 
Paul going to the Gentiles, all right? Because Paul was growing up from birth through adulthood, Paul was a Jewish Jew. He was as deeply steeped in the tradition of disdain for the Gentiles as you could possibly be. So that was not natural to him. That's a mystery why God picked him. Couldn't have he at least picked somebody who liked the Gentiles? Who thought they were actually worthy of salvation? No, he picked Paul. And to make it even more complicated is not only did Paul have no use for the Gentiles, for most of his life, as an adult, as a Jew's Jew, he had no use for Christians. So he doesn't like Jews. He has spent his adult career persecuting Christians, people who embrace the gospel message, and now this divine mystery, God picks him to take the message to the Gentiles and to take the Christian message to the Gentiles. From chief persecutor of Gentiles, from chief persecutor of Christians, to the first missionary to the Gentiles with the message of Christ. Does that make sense to anybody? I don't get it. But I think, just it's just my speculation, that God was just showing off. He was saying, I can pick the most unlikely person to go and be incredibly effective because I'm just that good. So just a sidebar question. What is your role in revealing the unsearchable riches of Christ to others? Just think for a moment. If God could use Paul, who did not like Gentiles and who did not like Christians, to be amazingly effective at taking the gospel message to Gentiles, helping them become Christ followers, what could he do with you? Just throwing that out there. That's no charge for that one. Um, Verse 8, although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for ages past, which, which for ages past was kept hidden. God, I got things all messed up. Uh, I think my slides are messed up. I apologize. God, who created all things, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. It's interesting. As Paul's talking about how his message and how people respond to his message is affecting 
the heavenly realms. It's a mystery how what happens here reveals to people in heaven more and more about God. The way you and I embrace and live out and share the gospel reflects the wisdom of God's mysterious plan to those in heaven. His plan encourages, excuse me, includes our ability to approach him with freedom and confidence and the mystery of his plan also includes Paul's ability to encourage the flip the Ephesians even though he's in prison. He says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. The mystery of God's plan is Paul is saying, you know what? Even though I'm locked up for trying to get you the message, you should be encouraged because that's all part of God's plan. And as I've gone on about the plan, it's important for us to step back and remember that his plan is all rooted in the mystery of God's love. And and I just, as I, I made light of it, but let's just stop and think for a moment. This is the God of all creation. And he chooses to love you and I. There's nothing for him to gain by loving us other than an opportunity for him to pour out his love to his creation. I'm going to walk through these verses and then come back to them. Paul says, and again, as I'm going through this, make a mental note, come back to it on your own, and we're going to come back to it before we're done as well. But... Just as I often do, just imagine making this prayer your own. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Remember, a mystery is something that we cannot fully understand. And lots of people interpret this differently and go different places with it. I I looked at at several different sources and talking about how wide God's love is. One person said God's love is wide enough to reach the entire world. That's, That's kind of a nice warm fuzzy. But some of us are kind of selfish. The whole world's nice, but what about me? All right? One commentator said it's wide enough to reach every man, woman, child of every kind of every age. Okay, that's that's me. So I, now, now you got me hooked. Someone else said it's wide enough to cover all of our experiences and all of our sin. 
just settle in on that for a moment. Everything you've done, God's love is wide enough to cover it. Everything you need, every emotional need that you have, every spiritual need that I have, His love is wide enough to cover it. How long is His love? Long enough to stretch from eternity to eternity. It's just never going to go away. It's, some of you have heard me talk about it before. I've read several books by a man named Bob Goff, and he's really big on God's love. And one of the books is Love Does, all right? And he, he talks often about how we tend to treat God's love like it's a consumable quantity that's going to run out. And so I parcel it out because I might not have enough of it. God's love is long enough to go from eternity to eternity. God's love is long enough to go any distance, even to the cross, on our behalf. It's long enough to cover the entire length of our lives. From womb to tomb to eternity, God's love is long enough. It's high enough to lift all people, Jews, Gentiles, folks in this very room, into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's high enough to reach up to the heavens and intercede on our behalf. Some of you, some of you know what it's like to have a cheerleader. Okay? I married mine. Alright, I just need that much. I, I made a comment earlier that I'm kind of needy. So I married my cheerleaders, so I've always got them with me. Alright? It's just a great deal. But understand, as awesome as my cheerleader is, and you cannot borrow her, I mean, she prays for you, but she's mine. Alright? But, when Jesus left this earth, He didn't just go away. He went to heaven. And we're told one of the precise reasons he went to heaven was to intercede on our behalf. Just chew on that for a moment. Some of you know what it's like to have someone, and this sounds really disrespectful, uh, and it's not intended to be so much. But some of you know what it's like to have people around her always chirping in your ear. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying, and you just can't get away from it. If they're chirping good, it's awesome. If they're chirping not so good, it just can make you crazy. In the best possible way, this sounds almost blasphemous to say, but Jesus went to heaven, and He is perpetually chirping in God's ear on your behalf in the best possible way. How high is that love? It's high enough to cover the fullest heights of our celebration. When you're happy, assuming you're happy for good reasons, he's happy. His love is at the height of your joy. And then it's deep. Deep enough to rescue us 
from all sin and from the very father of sin. You cannot go so deep that his love cannot reach you. It's just a question of what you do with that love when it reaches you. It's deep enough to literally experience death on our behalf. How deep was that love as it went to the cross for you and I? And considering the past seven or eight months, it's deep enough to meet us in all despair and discouragement. And Paul says something interesting here. He prays for you and I to grasp this kind of love. Some of you have been around and you know that over the past many years, our church has changed demographically. So it may not be quite as clear as it used to be, but I think enough of us have had experience to understand when I talk about grabbing hold of an electric fence. Um, Show of hands, how many of you have ever experienced the luxury of grabbing hold of an electric fence? All right, so you so you know, all right? You know, when you grab a hold of an electric fence, it grabs you back, doesn't it? And it and you feel it all through your body. That's nothing, all right? I'll tell you a story. Way back in the day, when Diane and I were first married, we rented from my Aunt Edie. Nice little house in town in Battle Creek. And and again, I'm going to date us because uh, this was a while ago. Annie Edie charged us $125 a month to rent her house. All right. And it was splendid. Okay. Um, but we were young and <clears throat> barely gainfully employed. And there came a point in time where... I was having trouble paying our rent for a month. And Aunt Edie being Aunt Edie uh, wasn't going to kick us to the curb. And so she was looking for some way. It, it didn't need it, but she came up with a plan that if I would wash the siding on the house, that would cover our rent for the month. Cool deal, all right? Like I said, I'm not sure it needed it, but anyway, it was old. I mean, it was old aluminum siding, okay? And this was, again, this was before power washers were a thing. And so I got one of those brushes you screw on your hose. You know, an aluminum pole, brush on the end, the water flows through it. And I'm, I'm scrubbing the house. I, I could not see a difference for where I'd washed and where I hadn't. All right. But I'm going to town and I'm feeling good about dodging another bullet. And I'm almost done. And I get around to the part of the house where the power comes in. And I apparently got too close. And I grasped the reality of that power in a very... I can still remember to this day what it tasted like when I got up off the ground trying to figure out what had just happened. And I just want to say, have you grasped the width, the length, 
the height and the depth of God's love to the point that it knocked you on your butt and you can taste it every day? Because that's what Paul's encouraging us to pray for. Because this concept is so important, and I'm going to go quick here. Uh, There are a couple of other love passages that are appropriate to look at. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You want to see somebody's life changed? Pray this for them, that their love, or that their love for him may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. A love that grabs you and you grab and don't let go. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not present, not future, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Friends, verse 19 that I read earlier from Ephesians chapter 3, speaks of a love that is full to overflowing. And the Apostle John tells us in his first letter that the only reason... I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm making an assumption that every one of you loves something. Probably lots of things. And I'm going to hope and pray any every one of you loves Someone. John tells us we love because he first loved us. The only reason we can know love is because the mystery of God's love initiated it and continues to initiate it to this very moment in time. Finally, Paul concludes this by talking about the mystery of God's power. And friends, I know you know this, but I know I need to be reminded of it from time to time. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You weren't paying attention, so I'm going to go back. Some of you, I know some of you, some of you I don't have a clue, but I know some of you have very vivid imaginations, all right? I've heard your hunting stories, I've heard your fishing stories, I've heard it, your golf scores, whatever, all right. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, the mystery of God's power, whatever you can imagine, or whatever you could ask, he has immeasurably more. That power is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, that's a mystery. 
but it's real. Why is his power at work in us? Because of his plan and because of his love. So that we might reflect his glory for all generations. As I'm often inclined to do, um, I want you to pray Ephesians chapter 3, parts of it for yourself. And we're going to do it as a responsive reading today. So um, I'm going to have you stay seated. Um, You can read. You don't have to shout because I'm not going to have you put your mask on for this part. All right. But follow along. I'm going to do... I'm going to do the part in white, and you're going to respond with the part in red. And again, we're doing this. Your eyes are open, but this is a prayer, and I encourage you to own this prayer. So I'll read red, or excuse me, I'll read white. You read red. Father, today I pray that. You're asking God out of his abundance resources to strengthen you. Father, today I pray that 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 Father, today I pray that. Father, today I pray that. Close your eyes. Just reflect a bit on what you just said. What you just prayed. And imagine that God is already at work answering that prayer. Because that is his heart's desire. Father, you heard our words, and I pray that you would bring those words back to our hearts and minds uh, over the next several days, and that words like that will become a regular part of our daily conversations with you, and that you will allow us to lean into and embrace the mystery of your plan the mystery of your love and that we would be overwhelmed by the mystery of your power that is available and is at work within us and that Father all joking aside that we would grab hold of your love in a fashion that it does literally transform us on a daily basis because that is no mystery that is why Jesus came and why Jesus died. We ask these things in the power, the power of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite the worship team to come back up.